Well, as we join with our friends in the Community Life Center, let me invite everybody to once again join me as we continue our journey through what the Apostle Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. And as a way of setting the stage for our discussion this morning, we're going to look first at a passage out of the book of 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. We'll read together verses 1 through 5. The Apostle Paul is writing to his friends, the Christians in the city of Corinth, and this is what he has to say. This, then, is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And at that time, each will receive their praise from God. And then finally, one brief portion of our focal passage from Galatians 5.22. Now the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God. Well, college football season is now upon us once again. It is that most wonderful time of the year when otherwise productive people will spend 10 hours on a Saturday lying on a sofa watching other people exercise. And with the exception of those whose hopes were dashed yesterday, I'm not pointing that at anybody, the start of the new season brings with it visions of glory and victory and the hopes that maybe, just maybe, this will finally be the year. And so we tune in week in and week out looking for those big moments, anxious to see our team score the big point and win the big game. I think one of the reasons sports appeals to us the way it does it's because when we watch athletes on the field of play, they make what they do look so easy. They perform these incredibly physical acts of coordination and strength, and yet they do it in a way that appears natural and effortless as though they're just walking to the store. But don't be fooled. There's nothing effortless about it. Those big moments in the game... They are possible only because of the cumulative effect of months and months, and in some cases, years and years of repetitive, mundane, and oftentimes very hard practice. They have spent weeks before the season begins grinding away at drills, lifting weights, running sprints until it feels like their lungs are going to explode. And they do it over and over and over again until it becomes almost second nature. 
And so the big moments that you see on a Saturday or a Sunday are usually just the cumulative effect of the small moments that have been repeated over and over again. And it's not just true in sports. Success and effectiveness in almost any area of life comes about usually as a result of repeated effort over a long period of time. Now, sure, we've all known that person or two that caught the lucky break and just happened to be in the right place at the right time, but they are the exception that proves the rule. Most folks who are successful are so because they've tended to the small details over a long period of time. A successful musician will tell you that inspiration for a song rarely just falls out of the sky and into their instrument already fully formed. Rather, the inspiration comes when they lock the studio door or the rehearsal room and they sit down and pluck out the notes and scribble out the lyrics and experiment with the rhythms and then repeat and practice the whole thing over and over and over again until finally, at long last, it all comes together. The business person will tell you that the big deal or the big break really wasn't a break at all, but rather it was the outworking of a well-thought-out business plan that gets executed step-by-step, piece-by-piece over time. The couple that's been happily married for 50 years will tell you that the success in their marriage was not the result of dumb luck, but rather the result of them tending to the small details day after day, looking at all of the things and pouring in all the effort into all the practices that are necessary to cause a marriage to thrive. It is when we do the small things, the unexciting things, the repetitive things over and over again that they all tend to add up to something big. Think of what it was like when you were first learning to drive. My first car wasn't a car. It was a 1970 Ford pickup. Fire engine red. Big West Coast mirrors that could take out a mailbox or a telephone pole if you weren't careful. It had a solid black vinyl interior, which was a brilliant design for those hot Georgia summers in a vehicle that had no air conditioning. It also had no power steering, no power brakes, and no automatic transmission. It was three on the tree, for those of you who know what that means. For those who don't, let's just say it took both hands and both feet to keep this thing on the road. And for the most part, I did pretty good, although... A neighbor's mailbox did require some attention one afternoon. But something happened after a while. As time went by, it took less and less conscious effort to drive this thing. I had to focus less and less on all the small movements to the point that before long I could drink a soda between second and third gear. Because all those repetitive actions were developing what we call muscle memory. And they turned me into a person who was able to drive this thing. It's the little things we do over time that add up to the big things. The Apostle Paul says that one of the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Think of faithfulness as the willingness to just 
stay at it, to keep with it, to keep grinding away day after day, doing the little things that are necessary to shape us into the kinds of people God wants us to be. Now, the root word of faithfulness is, of course, that word faith. And we tend to think of faith as being synonymous with belief. When somebody says, just have faith, what they usually mean is just believe. And faith certainly includes belief, but it is so much more than that. You see, belief by itself is the mere act of accepting certain ideas as being true. It is to give mental consent to a statement such as, Jesus is Lord. But that merely scratches the surface of what authentic faith is about. Because at its core, the word faith, if you look at how it's used in Scripture, what it really means is trust. To have faith in God is to do more than just believe that God exists. The Bible says that even demons believe that God exists. To have faith is to trust that God is who God says God is. And trust, by its very definition, requires action. I can say that I believe you are an honest person. It's a statement of belief. But it's another thing altogether to give you a credit card with my name on it and just invite you to carry it around, no questions asked. That's a statement of faith. It is an act of trust. It is taking that faith and putting it into action. It is a concrete way of life that forces me in that instance to put my money where my mouth is. And scripture invites us to have faith in God. In other words, to place our trust in him, to live in such a way as though we believe God really will do what God has said he will do. But scripture doesn't just invite us to do that without any evidence. Instead, Scripture invites us to remind ourselves of how God has proven His faithfulness over time. We can trust God because God has a long track record, or a track record of proving that He's trustworthy. Every promise that God has made, God has kept. And every morning when the sun comes up again to give us the gift of yet another day, God once more proves his kindness and his generosity to us. That is how we know God is faithful. Not because we went away and sat under a tree and had some mystical experience that told us so, but because our day in day out experience tells us that over the long haul, God is trustworthy. And all of the little things that have made our lives possible, God has proven his faithfulness. That's why when you look the word faithfulness in a Bible concordance and look at all the places that it appears in Scripture, most of the time it is used to refer to God's nature. Faithfulness is one of the attributes of God. But here in Galatians 5.22, we have the Apostle Paul telling us that one of God's attributes 
should also be one of our attributes. That just as he is faithful, we too can be faithful. I would remind you that this is what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. It's why we've subtitled this series, Living a Life that Looks Like Jesus. Having the fruit of the Spirit in us means that we take the things that are of God and we allow them to work their way into our character so that we begin to look like Him and act like Him. And so just as God is faithful, we too are called to be faithful. And how do we do that? How do we become faithful? Well, we do it the same way God does it. By proving ourselves to be trustworthy over time. Faithfulness is not about singular acts of spiritual heroism. Faithfulness is not about squinting our eyes hard and hoping that somehow we can just squeeze out more fervent belief. Faithfulness is not about having a flashy kind of spirituality. Faithfulness is about being willing to do the little things day in and day out that over time will shape us into the kinds of people God wants us to be. Faithfulness is about allowing the cumulative effect of God's way of life to take shape in our lives over time so that we become something different than we were before. Think about what faithfulness might look like in the arena of our physical health. Now, I use this as an illustration because it's not the full expression of faithfulness, but yet there is a connection. The book of Romans, chapter 12, says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and therefore we should be good stewards of our health. Now, there are a lot of things about our physical health that are beyond our control. There are genetic factors and environmental factors that we don't influence, at least not directly. But there are places where we do have leverage over what happens to us physically, and in those places, we need to be faithful. What does that look like? Well, it is about tending to the small things that over time add up. What kind of food do we eat? How do we manage stress? What is the quality of our sleep? How much exercise do we get? These kinds of things that make up our day-to-day -day habits over time add up to something that creates a health profile. Now, does that mean on a particular day if I eat some junk food or if I happen not to exercise that I've screwed everything up? No. But if I do that every day for here for the next six months, then I'm going to end up in a very different place. But if little by little I make better choices, then six months from now I'll be at a different place than I am now physically. It's about faithfulness in the small things. What about faithfulness in terms of our finances? You know, the New Testament is unapologetic in asking us to be faithful in the use of our money. But financial faithfulness doesn't just mean, and notice how carefully I'm putting this, it doesn't just mean giving to the church, though it certainly includes that. Let's not be confused there. 
Rather, financial faithfulness refers to the daily, regular patterns of how we manage our money in all of the little aspects of our lives. Because it's all those little choices that we make day in and day out that add up to create a financial profile. And if we aren't tending to those choices in a faithful way, then we're not going to have any money to give. So if we recognize that our financial health isn't where it needs to be, the way to correct that is not to whip out the checkbook and write one big charitable donation, because that, if it isn't connected to a larger pattern, isn't going to have any staying power. Rather, if we recognize that our financial health is not where it should be, the way to change that is by changing the daily patterns, the little choices we make day in and day out that add up to something bigger. Financial faithfulness is about tending to the little things over time. Think about faithfulness in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our connections with our children, for example. These things don't flourish just by accident. They flourish because people invest themselves in them over time. If a marriage is struggling because there's no trust and no communication and no intimacy, well then a big romantic weekend getaway is probably not going to fix the problem. Nothing wrong with getting away with your spouse. My wife and I did it last week. It was the first time we'd done it in years, and it was wonderful. I highly recommend it. But here's the thing. That weekend getaway will eventually come to an end because it's just a weekend. And sooner or later, you're going to have to come back to the same old routines that you left behind. And it is those day-to-day routines that need to change. And if those routines don't change, then the big event, the big splashy weekends together... They won't have any staying power. you got to change your communication patterns. you got to change the rhythms that influence your day-to-day life. If we're absentee parents and don't spend quality time with our children and invest ourselves in their lives, then giving them a bunch of expensive Christmas presents one day a year probably isn't going to do a whole lot to shape their character in a positive way. Faithfulness in our relationships requires an ongoing investment of ourselves. And so if we're not connected to our church, for example, if we're not involved in a regular basis on the life of the congregation together, then we can't expect to just show up every so often on a Sunday and have this grand moving experience because the network of relationships underneath that, that undergird that, won't be there. It's the day-in and day-out rhythms of life that define where we are. The same holds for faithfulness in our devotional lives. Spending time regularly in God's Word and in God's presence is a necessary component of developing godly character. Now, we can't expect 
that every time we open the Bible or every time we walk into a worship service, we are going to have some grand, mystical, transcendent, ecstatic experience. Sometimes spending time in God's Word and with God people in worship is going to feel very routine and mundane and you know what that's okay because it is our faithfulness in those routine and mundane experiences that will add up to something different over time author Eugene Peterson writes this he says worship is an act that develops feelings for God it is not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. Let me state that again. Worship is an act that develops feelings for God. It is not a feeling for God that is expressed in an act of worship. In other words, the feelings follow the behavior, not the other way around. And so if we're not experiencing God's presence, if we don't feel close to Him, then maybe the place to begin is tending to the daily routine by which we either open ourselves to Him or close ourselves off from Him. Our spiritual experiences and emotions develop in response to our spiritual habits, not the other way around. It is what we do in the small moments that add up over time to create the big moments. You ever noticed? How often Jesus went back to the scriptures of the Old Testament when he was tempted by Satan, when he was asked trick questions by his opponents, even when he was hanging on the cross. In those critical moments, he would reach back into the trove of scripture and use them to give expression to what he was experiencing. How was that possible? How did that happen? It was because he had spent his entire life training himself through regular engagement with the Scriptures so that when the moments of crisis and the moments of decision and the moments of action came, he could respond faithfully. How could Jesus pronounce forgiveness on the ones who were taking his life as they were in the process of taking his life? Well, it was because Jesus had spent his entire life practicing forgiveness and expressing it and teaching it to others. And so in that moment of great anguish, he was able to fall back on what he had spent his entire life practicing. It was all those small moments that over time added up to the big moments. As was the case for him, so is the case for us. Faithfulness will show itself in the big moments, but it proves itself in the small moments. Hear that again. Faithfulness will show itself in the big moments, but it proves itself in the small moments. It's in the routines of life, in the mundane experiences, in the everyday rhythms and patterns that we adopt that our character is being shaped and formed into something 
else. That is what the scriptures mean when they talk about faithfulness. Everybody remembers and celebrates Captain Sully. You remember him? He was the one who successfully landed that crippled United Airlines flight in the Hudson River, what, 10, 15 years ago now? I lose track of time. He was a national hero. Both engines failed and not a single person lost their life. Everybody remembers what he did in that big moment. But what often gets overlooked was the years and years and years of repetitive practice and training and discipline that he had subjected himself to so that he could learn how to effectively and safely fly an airplane so that when the moment of crisis came, the skills he needed were there at his fingertips. It was the small moments that added up to the big moments. You may never sit in the cockpit of an airplane, but the same holds true for us in our relationships, in our connection to God, in our service to our neighbor, in our obedience to the commands of Scripture, if we are going to become the kind of people God wants us to be, we just got to keep grinding away at it. Because the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. Let's pray together. Father God, we pause in these moments simply to praise you for your faithfulness to us. Moment by moment, you have sustained us and given us what we need. You have bestowed upon us beauty. You have given us salvation, none of which we have deserved. And yet, by your faithfulness, you have given us what we are not entitled to have. Father, we just pause in these moments to acknowledge that about you, to declare your glory, to thank you for your faithfulness to us. And now, oh God, would you come and move through us and by your Spirit empower us to be faithful to you and to each other, to tend to those little things moment by moment, that in time will make us who you have called us to be. Thank you for the promise that we do not have to do this by our own power, but through the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit. And now, O oh God, come and cause us to be faithful to you. And we make this prayer in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Faithfulness begins right now with the choices we make in this moment to set ourselves on a particular path and to move forward. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, that's the first step, to acknowledge Him as Savior and Lord of your life. And if that's not taken place in your life, then in these closing moments of worship, we would invite you to come forward as we sing together. We'll pray with you. We'll celebrate as you begin that journey of faith.
But there may be other decisions that, that you need to make. Maybe you've never connected with a church home, and if so, we want to extend that opportunity to you. We would invite you to come forward. But, but all of us have got something going on in our lives right now, some area where we know we need to adopt some new rhythms, some new patterns to create a little more space for God to be at work, to change us, to make us into who He has called us to be, to be faithful to Him. I pray that will happen as we worship together. Let's stand and sing.